Well, at the start of this new year, we are starting a new series. We're going to be in the book of Romans, a letter that Paul wrote uh, to the Romans, inspired by the Holy Spirit, and it's going to be good uh, to spend some time in this book. Um, it is a letter, and letters can play an important role in changing lives. I believe that. Do you believe that? That letters can play an important role in changing people's lives. One of the fun things that, it wasn't fun initially, turned out to be kind of fun in some ways. Kirsten and I were trying to clean out tubs full of old junk that uh, that we had saved or our parents had saved. And when we got a house, they're like, here, you take it. Uh, so we had all this stuff. Uh, and some of it is stuff that we saved even ourselves. And so we decided, you know, that's too much stuff. I was trying to lift it to put it up in the rafters of our garage, and I couldn't even lift it. It's like, well, that's not going to happen, so we need to get rid of some stuff. So we started going through it, and we got rid of a lot of stuff. But in there, one of the most entertaining things that we found is Kirsten had printed off some of the early correspondence that we had with one another. And uh, it's, it's up in the garage, and I didn't take the effort to get it down uh, for you and, and read some of it. But if I had read it for you, you would have been entertained by it. You would have wondered, like you probably do all the time anyway, what was she thinking marrying a guy like that? Um, because if you read through these letters, now they were letters used. Um, we, we both went to, we met at Northwestern College in Orange City. So we met there. And, uh, and the way that we communicated with each other technologically was email was kind of the thing that was taking off at that point. And so we would each go, only a couple rich kids had their own computers. So we would go to the computer labs in our respective dorms, and, and we would email back and forth to one another. Uh, and Kirsten saved some of those. And early on, before we were dating, but uh, it was obvious that I liked her, and she was trying to figure out what, what she thought of me. I would just, like, we read through the, it's just lame. Uh, I was just totally lame. Like, uh, she was telling me about one, I forgot about this, is uh, somebody had said, hey, we're watching a movie. Uh, a couple of her friends were watching a movie and had invited me to come. And I sent her an email, like kind of this this little subtle hint. Like, um, I, they invited me to come over to watch a movie, but I don't think I really want to unless you're going to be there. Uh-huh. Smooth, huh? Smooth. And, and then she married me. Um, not right after that. Like there was some stuff in between. Um, but, but those letters, as lame as they were, played a role in changing at least two people's lives. And then God gave us three children as well whose lives have been changed by those early correspondence between people who didn't know each other very well. Now, the book of Romans in the Bible is a letter. It's a letter written from Paul to the Romans, and he, at the start of a relationship, kind of like at the start of Kirsten and, and my relationship as well, Paul, many of the letters that he wrote, or the letters that he wrote, he had, he had knew the people and had visited the places. But Romans is different because Paul was writing this long letter to these people whom he had never met. He hadn't been to Rome. He wanted to go to Rome, but he hadn't gone there yet. And so it's, it's this letter that's written early on in this new relationship. But it is not lame. It is inspired, every word of it, by the Holy Spirit. And it has been used throughout history to change lives. Maybe even your life. I know it has mine. In the early church, if you look back at church history, early church, 
uh, there's this man named Augustine. He was in the northern part of Africa, a boy growing up in the 4th century. This was a long time ago. And he lived a, a wild life as a young man. Until one day, he hears a voice tell him, pick up and read, pick up and read. So he opens up a Bible to the book of Romans, and God, his spirit works through his word, and through him reading parts of the book of, part of the book of Romans, Augustine is converted and becomes a Christian and probably one of the most influential theologians in the history of the church. Uh, a few hundred years later, during the Reformation, Martin Luther was a monk in the 1500s in Germany. And he had actually grown to have somewhat of a hatred in his heart toward God because he saw the standards that God had, and he felt like he could never live up to them. And he thought God was asking too much of him. God's standards were just too high. And he was sick of it. And as much as he tried to live a righteous life as a monk, he found that he couldn't do it. He wasn't perfectly righteous. But then he read the book of Romans read about the righteousness of God and the gospel, and his life was changed, and he sparked really the Protestant Reformation that changed the course of human history, part of the reason that we're here as a church today. John Calvin, same kind of thing. Uh, more, more recently, um, one of the people who's been most influential in my life and in a lot of people in this generation is a pastor by the name of John Piper. He points back to the book of Romans as the book that was instrumental in confirming his conversion. You, God used this book to call him to ministry. God used this book to most shape his theology and sustain his ministry. And he did a preaching series in the book of Romans that he started in 1998. And he subtitled it, it was Romans, the greatest letter ever written. He started in 1998, didn't finish until 2006. Okay? Martin Lloyd-Jones, another extremely influential preacher, this one in London, during a time when in Europe many people were turning their back on God, he faithfully proclaimed the word of God to many, many people. He spent Friday evenings preaching through the book of Romans. You know how many sermons? 366, okay? 366 sermons, many of, most of them got recorded and you can listen to them uh, still online today. This was in the early 1900s in London. So all throughout church history, some of the most influential people would point to Romans as the most influential book in their lives. This letter has literally changed the lives of millions of people. And so, as we open it up here in a little bit, I'm recognizing that you might have your own story. That, that, that maybe it was words from the book of Romans that God used in your own conversion to Christianity. Maybe that, that's the case. Maybe somebody walked you through and told you, hey, if you heard Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Then maybe somebody told you, but there's good news also in Romans 6.23, right? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then maybe they shared with you Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And you're like, okay, so, so what? And then maybe they shared with you Romans 10.9, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And maybe they shared with you Romans 5.1, therefore, 
Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Those verses are used in many ways to to help people to see the core truths of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And maybe God used those very words in your own conversion. I can think of no book in the Bible that's been more influential in my own life, in shaping who I am, how I think about who God is and who I am, than the book of Romans. If you come into my office for counsel, chances are at some point we're going to end up in the book of Romans, right? If you, if I'm, if I'm sharing the gospel with somebody who doesn't yet trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior, chances are I'm going to be in the book of Romans. Someone asked me a question about all sorts of things, ranging from addiction to homosexuality to what's God's will for my life, I'm probably going to turn to the book of Romans at some point. Just before I, we moved to Iowa Falls, I was with a group of, of other guys in, in my church working on memorizing the whole book of Romans. We were just going to do one chapter at a time. One guy, he was really ambitious, he was going to actually cumulatively do it. So he did one the first week and then one and two and, and, we, and he, he did a great job. The rest of us just did one chapter at a time. Um, and so, so I actually got through 15. There's 16 chapters and then we moved. And so I never got through chapter 16. Um, but doing that, spending a year, it was a little over a year, spending a year having to meditate that often on the book of Romans. In order to memorize that much, you have to go over it over and over and over again. And as I did that, God shaped the way that I think and the way that I live in some profound ways. God's Word is powerful as God's Spirit works through it. So a lot of times when I start a new series, I kind of give you one sense. Like, here's what I hope to accomplish in this series. I have no idea what I hope to accomplish in the book of Romans. I just know that as, as impactful as this letter has been in so many people's lives, including my own, I just trust that God's going to do whatever God wants to do in our hearts as we go through this book. That, that maybe God is going to use this book for some people in here to, for the first time, repent of their sins and trust in Jesus. Maybe for some of you that feel locked in and, and, and strangled by a sin that you just can't seem to shake, that God might use the book of Romans to help you be set free from that. That for some who are doubting your salvation and wondering where you stand with God, that God might use the book of Romans to bring about assurance of your salvation. That God might light a fire under us as a church for evangelism, which Paul certainly has a fire lit under him for. That, that maybe by the time we're done preaching through, going through the book of Romans together, I'll preach it, you'll go through it in life group. And by the time that we're done with that, may, maybe there'll be twice as many people here. We'll have to figure out how we're going to fit everybody in because we're just on fire for letting other people know these very basic core truths of the Christian faith that we find in the book of Romans. I'm looking forward to it. I don't know what God's going to do in it, but I'm looking forward to it. So here's how we're going to do it. It's a long book, 16 chapters. I'm not going to preach 366 sermons on it, okay? Um, what I'm going to do is we're going to, from January through the middle of March, so for about two and a half months now, we're going to get through the first four chapters, God willing, right? So we're going to get through the first four chapters. We're going to take a break, do something else. We'll come back and do the next four chapters, and then we'll do three chapters, and then we'll do five chapters, okay? So we're kind of breaking it up into four different sections. Romans is about the gospel. Um, and and each under each 
section, there's kind of a, a, like a subtitle, I guess, that I'd give it. Um, and, and first of all, we're going to be talking about righteousness. As we go through chapters 1 through 4, um, way more than any other book in the Bible, the word righteousness shows up in Romans. 42 times in the book of Romans, the word righteousness or righteous shows up. Half of those times are in the first four chapters. So, so it's a theme that we see repeated over and over again at the beginning of the book of Romans. And so we're going to be talking about the gospel or the good news and righteousness as we look at these first four chapters. Now, that's a long introduction, um, but, but it's a, it's a, it's a, I wanted to kind of get all that out of the way before we jump into it. And today we're not biting off a big chunk. We're going verses 1 through 7, which is basically Paul's extended reading. And so if you're able to, uh, would you stand as we read God's Word together? We're going to be in Romans chapter 1, verses 1 to 7. I'm going to pray, and, then, uh, and then, then we'll read God's Word. Heavenly Father, I thank you that your Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul to write a letter to the Romans about 2,000 years ago. And I thank you that by your grace it has been preserved through centuries so that we can open it up today and next Sunday and in life groups and whenever it is, maybe in personal Bible study, but that we can open it up. And I pray that your spirit would be at work in such a way that it would change our lives to the point that we begin to change the way that we live and that we communicate it to other people so that it might also change and transform their lives. Thank you. Uh, for the good news that we have, you have for us in the book of Romans. And I pray that we would hear it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. All right, let's read. Romans 1, 1 through 7. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead Jesus Christ our Lord through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You can be seated. All right, so you can see in your outline, remember, life groups are starting next week, so it's not quite a life group guide yet. It's still just an application guide, um, but there's also sermon notes there as well. Three points today. Very simple, just trying to get a grasp on what it is that we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks. Romans chapter 1, verse 1, here's the point. This is a letter from Paul. Okay? Introductions are important. Um, we think when we're going to meet somebody that we don't know, we think through how we're going to introduce ourselves. Right? And typically, if you're introducing yourself to somebody you don't know, you would share your name. That would probably be the first thing, right? You might share something about where you work. You might share something about where you're from. And you might share something about your family. Isn't that pretty much a typical introduction, right? I'm going to share my name, where I work, where I'm from, and a little bit about my family, perhaps, right? 
That might be a typical introduction for us. And maybe if you're in a, a group setting and the leader wants to do something kind of cutesy, they might add, like, and then if you could be any superhero, who would you be? Or if you could jump in a pool filled with whatever, what would it be? You know, like, so they'll add something like that, so kind of something superfluous. But if you look at how Paul introduces himself, interesting. Verse 1, remember that he hasn't been to Rome yet. And so here's how he introduces himself. Paul, so he gives his name, starts with that. But then he doesn't say, here's where I came from. He's from Tarsus, but he doesn't tell him that. He's a tent maker, that's his job, but he doesn't tell him that. Right? He is, uh, he's from a Jewish family and he's single, but he doesn't tell him that. Here's what he tells him. He says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. That's the first thing he tells him. Paul's trying to, uh, you don't know me, but here's what you need to know about me. My name's Paul, and the first thing you don't need to know about me is who my master is. I am a servant of Christ Jesus. That's my role. I am a servant of Christ Jesus. He is my master. I, I'm not the king. I'm not in charge. I just, I, I work for another one, a master, and his name is Jesus. He is the Christ. Okay, so that's how he introduces himself. We could introduce ourselves that way. Um, those of us who are Christians, um, we could introduce ourselves as Jeremy, servant of Christ Jesus, and we would be accurate in saying that, hopefully, that we are. Uh, as, as a Christian, you are a servant of Christ Jesus. He is your Lord. He is your master. And then Paul says this, called to be an apostle. Called to be an apostle. An apostle is one who is called out and sent out on someone's behalf. Specifically, an apostle in Scripture is one who has been directly called by Jesus to go out as an apostle. So this is not a title that all the rest of us can use. But Paul is sent out to be an apostle. An apostle of what? The last part of verse 1 says, set apart for the gospel of God. Paul's got a purpose. He's saying, I have a master, his name is Christ Jesus, I'm called to be an apostle, I'm sent out, and I am set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel, gospel, remember, means good news. So he's set apart, and his role is to proclaim, to, to share some good news that's from God. It's the gospel of God, it's God's good news. It's not like Paul's just making some stuff up. It's not like he's trying to make a few extra bucks and he's a really good speaker, so he's going out on a tour to do that. No, he is set apart, called as an apostle, and set apart for proclaiming the good news of God. It's God's good news. The source of the good news is God. It's not Paul. He's just proclaiming the news. He's a messenger. That's a great introduction. And Paul is going to spend the rest of the letter laying out this gospel. You see that word showed up in that first verse. The gospel of God. He's going to spend the rest of the letter laying out what the gospel is. But he can't wait till the rest of the letter. So in the body of this introduction, verses 2 through 5, he gives us kind of like some, some little glimpses at what he's going to be talking about in the rest of the letter. Here's what the gospel is all about. Let's look at verses 2 through 5. Verses 2 through 5, it's a letter about the gospel. Okay? So Paul set apart for the gospel of God. What does he tell us about it? First of all, he tells us it's of God. Okay, The gospel is of God. Secondly, he tells us it's laid out in the Bible. If we want to know what God's good news is, God gives it to us in the Bible. 
Okay, so here's the way Paul says it. Which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Okay? So at that point, the Holy Scriptures consisted of the Old Testament. And Paul's saying it's all laid out there. It started in Genesis 3.15 with a promise, and it goes through the law, the writings, the prophets, all of it pointing forward to this gospel, this good news that's about Jesus. We're going to hear that in a second. The New Testament testimonies of the apostles would be gathered together, these letters and the gospels and the book of Acts all gathered together that will make the New Testament. These are the Holy Scriptures. That's how we hear the gospel. And then look at verse 3. Concerning his son. What's the gospel about? You find the gospel. It's from God. It's in Scripture. And it's about Jesus. The good news is about Jesus. Good news is not that we, we, have, we think that a lot of other things could be good news. Good news, though, ultimately is about Jesus. It tells us a little more about him. Concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh. Okay, So they had been prophesied all throughout the Old Testament that the king who was going to come was going to be a king in the line of David. Jesus descended from David. right? So he's this king. It tells us about his birth. Descended from David according to the flesh. Was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus is the eternal Son of God who came and took on flesh. And the fact that he was resurrected from the dead implies that he died, right? So it refers to his death and resurrection. The gospel is about Jesus. It's about his life, his death, his resurrection, and his reign. Notice in verse 4, it ends with Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul's saying that's his position. It's about this Jesus, and Jesus is Lord. Right? He is Lord. He reigns over all. So the gospel is from the Bible, or from God, laid out in the Bible about Jesus, his life, death, resurrection, and his reign. And then, number five, it's for the glory of God. Look at verse five. Through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about what? The obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. Actually, number four is the obedience of faith. The gospel is to bring about the obedience of faith. Now, the gospel, the good news is not about our obedience. We know that. That's what Martin Luther was struggling with. He's like, if the good news is about me obeying, I'm doing a really good job, and that's not very good news. Right? So the good news, the gospel is not about our obedience but the good news is about, the, good, the gospel is, is about faith, right? So, so we're going to learn more about that as we go through this. Certainly in the book of Romans, it's very clear that the, the benefits of the gospel come to us through faith, right? So it's through faith, but that faith brings about obedience. So he refers to that as the obedience of faith. And then he says, it's for the sake of his name. When the gospel of Jesus Christ is faithfully proclaimed, God is glorified, right? And then it's for all nations. Paul was Jewish. But a big theme throughout the letter of Romans is that the gospel that is from God, about Jesus, laid out in Scripture, 
for the obedience of faith. It's not, and it's for the God's glory. It's not just for the Jewish people. It's for all people, right? So Paul says that right up, right up front. Among all the nations. So that kind of gives us a little picture. Here's what the gospel is about, right? You got it? The gospel is from God. It's laid out in the Bible. It's about Jesus, life, death, resurrection, and reign. And it's for God's glory. It brings about the obedience of faith. And it is for all people, right? So he just packed a whole lot. Like that, that's quite an introduction. It was just like a run-on sentence. Paul just saying, hey, here's who I am. And boom, here's the gospel. Kind of giving you just a sneak peek of what he's going to get into as he goes throughout the rest of the letter. As we go through this series, I hope that our understanding of the gospel is sharpened. That all those things that we just talked about, that we might see more clearly that there is bad news in the world. There's bad news in our own lives. But the good news comes from God. It's the gospel of God. And we can find it in Scripture. And it's all about Jesus. I hope that we see that as we go through this. And I think it's going to bring glory and honor to God as we come to a better understanding of what is the gospel? What is the good news? And it's for the sake of all people that we might share it with all people in all nations. Right? And God is glorified in that. So I think that's going to happen as we go through it. One more point, And that is this. Look at verses 6 and 7. That tells us who the letter is to, right? You've got a letter. Paul first tells you in verse 1, it's from me, and here's who I am, and here's what it's about, and here's kind of a sneak peek what it's about. And then verses 6 and 7 are, here's who it's to. A letter is written from someone to someone else. So if Paul is writing an email, the people that he's addressing it to is pretty important if we're going to understand what's in there, right? It gives us context. And so verses 6 and 7 tell us that. Including you, it says. So he's talking to, because uh, the last thing he says is among all the nations. He's saying including you. Okay, He's like, I, I, I know that you know me as a Jewish person. right? You've probably heard that. Um, this is not just for Jewish people. This is including you, all of you. In Rome, there would have been both Gentile and Jewish Christians including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Kind of cool. Um, we don't know. We don't really know how the gospel had gotten to Rome. Um, we don't read about that clearly in the book of Acts. But somehow, people that had heard the gospel in all these other cities went back to Rome, shared the gospel with other people, and a church was born there in Rome. Paul didn't plant that. He hadn't gone there yet, right? But the church rises up in Rome, the gospel takes root, and Paul is writing to these people. Here's who he addresses it to, verse 7. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. All those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. Okay, now we just talked about this in the little Sunday school class training thing that Mark and I are doing. This is important as we go through Scripture that we understand that the book of Romans is not a letter to us. Sometimes people refer to Scripture as God's love letter to us. If you look at what is just said right here, we're just taking it for, for its word. This is a letter, but it's a letter from Paul to who? To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. Okay, We're in Iowa Falls. We're not in Rome. So the letter of Romans was not originally written to us. 
It was written to some other people. It's for us. God intended it for us eventually. But in order for us to get to the point where we can really grasp what God is saying, we need to understand, first of all, what God was saying to the people in Rome through Paul, through this letter that he was writing, right? That's what we're trying to do as we go through this. We need to understand this is a letter written to people in Rome, some of whom are Jews, some of whom are Gentiles, and they are Christians. They are called to be are, are called to belong to Jesus Christ, loved by God, and called to be saints. And then Paul ends with just a relatively standard greeting for him. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So, there's our introduction to the book of Romans. It's going to get uh, really good as we get into it. But I'm grateful that, that we have this kind of introduction so that we, we get kind of our, our bearings. We have a foundation laid so that as we start going through this, we can remember this is a letter from Paul. Who's Paul? Well, he's a servant of Christ Jesus. He's called to be an apostle. He's set apart for the gospel of God. That's what his life is all about. Here's what the gospel is about, and here's who the letter is to. It's to the Christians in Rome, whom Paul hasn't met yet. So I'm grateful for this introduction to the letter. As I stated up front, though, here's, here's the deal. I don't know how God plans to use this book as we go through it on Sunday morning. There's some, there's some powerful, there's some tough, there's some controversial, there's all sorts of stuff in the book of Romans. It's going to get really fun. I was like just studying to get ready for it, just getting all giddy. I just like, I want to preach it all now. Uh, but we'll, do, we'll break it down and we'll go little bit by little bit and go through this book. And I think you're going to be amazed. If you haven't already had your life altered greatly by the book of Romans, if you are open to it, if you're asking God's spirit to come and to change you, I think I think it's very possible, very likely even, that if, if you would just sit. And, and here's the thing with Romans. It's so rich. Um, you know, have you ever been served like some really good, rich food? You're supposed to eat it slowly, right? Like you're supposed to just kind of like take a bite and, and savor it for a little bit. Not just like devour it um, like, like it's going out of style, right? And so what we're going to do with the book of Romans, we're not, we're, we're going to, I mean, we're going to get through four chapters in two and a half months. So we're not going through it super slow. Um, but a half hour of a sermon on a Sunday morning, Romans is just too rich for us to fully digest in that amount of time. I, I think God could do something. If all that you do is you come here on a Sunday morning and I walk us through the book of Romans for a half hour. I think God could do something with that. But it's so rich that I think it would be much better if we just slowed down and spent some time savoring it. That's why I memorized it with those friends of mine. Maybe that's something that, that you want to do. Maybe not, not a whole chapter at a time, but maybe you just, like, you know what, there's two verses in chapter 1 that I really want to memorize. Maybe it's verses 16 and 17. I just want to get that in my head. And so maybe maybe you, you talk to somebody else about that. That's in the, in the application guide this week for you to just consider that. Maybe the way in which you can slow down and just savor the book of Romans and let God do a work in your heart as you, as you meditate on it over and over again, maybe you just need to work on memorizing a portion of it, right? So that might be some application. The other maybe piece of application from this is 
we're going to be going through, the whole time that we're going through this series in Romans, we're going to be meeting in life groups. There is so much value in God's people getting together around God's Word. There's stuff that you're not going to understand. There's stuff that you're not going to think of how to apply it. But there's other people that might understand it. There's other people that can help you apply it. And so we want to get as many of you as possible engaged in a life group where you're sitting together, you're taking time to sit together with other people around God's Word and and digesting it a little more, letting it do a work in and through you. We don't want to be people who just hear the Word and then study it a little more and then study it a little more. We want to be people that let it change us. And if all we're doing is listening to a sermon, that might not that might not cut it. So we have these great opportunities. We just strongly encourage you um, to get into a life group where we'll spend our time in Romans, not just on Sunday morning, but in a life group as well. I am. Uh, we're we're going to just have communion together, um, recognizing, like I mentioned early on, um, before we started this morning, that there's. There's some things that we can put our hope in that are very real. We don't have to imagine all sorts of different things. The gospel that's laid out in the book of Romans that was really pretty clear, um, clearly laid out just in the introduction, reminds us of Jesus and his life and his death and his resurrection. And by God's grace, we've been given physical symbols because it's easy to forget. We get, we get so distracted by so many other things And we forget to remember what is at the core of what we believe. And that is that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to die. To pay the penalty for our sins. To be raised again with victory over sin and death. So that we don't have to wallow in sin any longer. We're set free from it. We're forgiven. We're washed clean by the blood of the Lamb. Right? That's what we remember. And so, so, so by God's grace... Before Jesus ascended into heaven, he asked his disciples to remember him by taking these elements, by taking the bread to remember his body broken for us, and by taking the cup to remember his blood shed for us. So that's what we're going to do as we start this new year, as we start in the book of Romans, as we just need to remember what Jesus has done for us.